Okay, so here we are. We are about to start recording our first episode, maybe only episode, <laughs> of a podcast on mentorship. My name is Gamal Dillon. I'm a teacher at Garden City Collegiate, and this project is actually meant to be my ARPL for the year. But I've invited two guests here with me today. I have Mr. Sid Korzenski, who is a retired teacher and also my mentor for this year. And I also have Jessica Taves, who is a teacher candidate from the University of Manitoba, and she was my student teacher for the year as well. Um, so I'm just gonna take a minute and let each of my guests introduce themselves maybe a little bit more uh, formally and talk about their role in the mentorship process this year. Okay, so um, this is Sid Krasinski, and um, uh, my current role has sort of evolved over the last 10 years in Seven Oaks, um, growing almost every year. Um, it's really been based on a philosophy that uh, a group of teachers sort of subscribe to. Every year, we last couple of years, we've been inviting new teachers to become involved. Kamal became involved this year. And um, as a result, I, I try to spend time in classrooms with teachers. Um, we co-teach, or sometimes I will teach, and they'll observe, and then we'll talk about what goes on. And also, we try and... Um, produce um, a, lot, a fair amount of literature uh, related to what we're doing, posted on a, um, a site we have where um, the teachers in Seven Oaks as well as some teachers from across Manitoba have access to it. Um, the model um, I've been using is one I first observed in New York uh, that really in involved mentorship in a different way where the mentor was actually in the classroom uh, working with the teachers working with the teacher, uh, not so much in terms of planning and organizing and talking, but actually applying uh, in real time. Okay, thanks, Ed. And my name is Jessica Taves. I am a teacher candidate from the University of Manitoba in my certifying year. Um, I was placed at Garden City to work in my major, which is choral music. So I was assigned two cooperating teachers in the building. And in an effort to fulfill my minor requirement, which is English language arts, uh, one of my cooperating teachers sent out a mass email to everyone in the school asking, does anyone want a teacher candidate to come watch them? Um, so I wasn't intended to be a full-on student teacher, just to observe another ELA teacher in action. And after spending a semester watching uh, Gamal teach and learning more about the kids and what it's like to teach ELA, we thought, well, maybe we could give this a try. So I asked if she would be open to taking me on as a teacher candidate, knowing that wasn't something she had <laughs> signed up for necessarily. <laughs> um, she was kind enough to, pardon me, to agree and to give me some airtime with her students and a great deal of her own time in the planning process along the way. So in essence, I picked up a third cooperating teacher, which was a really great experience. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, like I said, my name is Gamal Dillon, so I am a teacher at Garden City Collegiate, and I sort of stumbled into the role of being both a mentor and mentee this year in two very different ways. So I initially, in September, the email about writing workshop uh, came across my desk, and I had just talked about it briefly with a colleague, but really had no idea what that whole writer's workshop process was going to look like or what it was, I just knew that it might be something I wanted to integrate into my English language arts classroom. And so I responded to the email, and the rest is history. Sid and I have been 
consistently going back and forth since September. I've been introduced to a community of teachers in Seven Oaks who are all working towards the same goal and really trying to uh, increase and support the literacy of our students in meaningful and engaging ways. And I've just been blown away by the things that I've learned this year. And then like Jessica mentioned with the teacher candidate situation, I knew that when I was a student teacher, I always really appreciated teachers inviting me into their classroom to come and watch and, and were very supportive. So I wanted to extend that hand, but I by no means thought or was confident enough to take on a teacher candidate. But I really couldn't say no when I, I wanted to, to have that experience. So kind of stumbled into that as well. So for, for the uh, sake of the episode today, we have some guiding questions and themes that are going to uh, frame our discussion. But I really just wanted to start off with one key question and then we'll see organically where the conversation takes us. But the first question I have here, and I'll give both of my guests a chance to answer first, is why is mentorship so important in teaching specifically? Why is it in our profession something that you think is valuable? What do you think, Jessica? Ah, uh, well, for a beginning teacher, I think it's really important to have a mentor because otherwise you're kind of going into uncharted territory without much of a map or a guideline. Because we definitely learn a lot in university programs, but it's the practical, actually working with real humans part mm -hmm. that sometimes gets lost amidst the theory in the academic world. So once you're actually working with students and starting to apply some of the theoretical concepts, that's when you sometimes realize, oh, this doesn't work as well as I thought. Now I need someone to ask for advice because I've run up against a wall. So that's a really just practical way in which mentorship really helps, especially young teachers, but probably along the rest of your career because I'm sure you will also encounter other areas where something doesn't go the way you planned or you don't know how to encourage a student. So just to bounce ideas off of other professionals who have been there before and have something to offer. That's, yeah. And did you like formally being set up with someone who's teaching the same subject area as you? I know with your major, uh, the music, we don't have as many options of teachers in our school, but did you like that connection being made for you or would you have rather, or even with me, would you have rather yeah. have sort of shopped around and tried out different teachers? That's a really great question. Um, for the music placement, there was a little puppeteering behind the scenes at the university where one of the music profs knew all the music teachers in the city and highly recommended where certain people were placed. Um, so I knew I was coming into a good placement because I trusted this person's judgment and knew that it would be a good setup. And then with you, it was also a recommendation from students and from Stacy, who's like, yeah, I think people have really enjoyed her class, so this would probably be a good setup. Um, so both of those felt pretty confident. And if I was to go out totally on my own, it might have felt a little intimidating to just go shop around all the different English teachers in the school. So mm -hmm. I guess in the sense, it was nice to just have a recommendation and go forth. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Sid? Why is mentorship so important um, in teaching? Well, beginning with my own career, I was fortunate to have an amazing accidental mentor in my fourth year of teaching that completely transformed everything, or led me to transform everything I believed about learning. Um, uh, I didn't pick up very much in faculty, um, I realized as I was in class. Um, so I, 
reluctantly I reverted to being the kind of teacher I disliked so much when I was in school, ironically at Garden City, and uh, many years ago. Um, but in my role as a mentor now, I think there's a real difference. Now I'm not seeing it so much as something for beginning teachers, I'm seeing it for something for teachers who want to begin uh, something new, something different, who are looking for something. Um, the, the early group I began working with came to me mostly through word of mouth. Other, their friends had been happy working with me, but they were all looking for the same thing. They had been exposed to ideas they liked. They had been at workshops where they had been inspired and they went in their classrooms and after one or two days it was, okay, now what do I do? And so um, it's interesting that my group uh, that I work with now in Seven Oaks is a real mix of, um, you know, people like Kamal who's early in her career and yet other teachers who have been teaching for more than a dozen years uh, but have wanted to embrace um, the philosophy of, of choice and voice uh, through reading and writing workshop and inquiry and so um, I think that's important that if we want teachers to grow and change um, sending them to conferences, uh, sage on the stage presentations, just doesn't cut it. It's it's not the answer. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think we have a really unique profession in which uh, things are just constantly changing, and not just in terms of technology and the demographics of our students, but just the philosophy behind teaching and the the academia behind it as well. Knowing how people learn best. And it really, I think mentorship, like you said, is important for teachers at all stages of their careers because I feel like a lot of veteran teachers look at mentorship as, with almost a jaded eye, thinking, well, why would I subject myself to criticism of someone when I've been doing just fine for 30 years? Or haven't I built up enough credibility on my own that I don't need to prove myself again and again to a new mentor or someone evaluating me yeah. from the side? And maybe that's part of the problem, that maybe mentorship to some teachers uh, is synonymous with evaluation and trying to justify or vindicate what they have been doing and they don't want to be open to criticism. But for me, as like you said, as a new teacher, I only see the benefit of uh, refining my practice. And I think that the things I've learned this year, I keep saying I can't wait for September to do it all over again. But I think even in September, October, I'll be saying, now I have a new way of doing things, or now I've found someone else to connect with. So um, I think it's really important to keep growing as an educator, especially. Yeah, I think the paradigm that, that mentorship e equating with fixing up, um, I think that's the error. Um, I think the success of our group in Seven Oaks has been that everyone that's part of the group has wanted to be part of the group and I was really encouraged when I um, uh, in working with the new assistant superintendent and we're planning for next year sending out um, an email and the only teachers who don't want to continue next year are one who's moving to BC and one who's going to be on mat leave. Everybody else definitely wants to continue is committed to meeting over the summer to doing more planning and stuff. I think that's the key. You, this is not a program where someone needs to identify teachers at risk and then send them to be fixed up. This is, right. um, so it works best, I think, when teachers, um, or like when Jessica, where you initiate things and want to be part of something, I think that's when it's most successful. 
frightening. Okay, um, let's move on to maybe the next question. What do you think is the most challenging aspect of being a mentor or a mentee? Well, for me, I think the most challenging aspect is also the most fun, and it's what I enjoyed most about teaching, and that is uh, with the nearly 20 teachers I'm working with, it's not unlike my classroom. Um, the teachers bring different backgrounds, different understandings. Uh, they're moving at different paces. Uh, I have some who just started who are racing ahead. Others I've worked with for a few years now who still want to go slowly and, and I'm thinking, this is exactly like my classroom, right? I have students that mm -hmm. just want to race ahead and I really prided myself in my classroom that, that I set up a, a, a situation where that was possible, where we weren't in lockstep. And so for me, it's both the most challenging and rewarding aspect, I think, is the individuality, that it's not a, I like to tell the people, it's not a program, it's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. and, um, and where you are in the continuum is where uh, we begin working. Right. What do you think, Jessica? What was the most challenging <laughs> part for you this year? Um, I think specific to our relationship, the biggest challenge I had was just becoming more familiar with how to teach ELA instead of an arts course, because you just teach differently. So there was a huge learning curve, not just in content, but just in the teaching approach. Um, but then in actually being mentored, I think it, because I'm in my certifying year and this is now my fourth practicum, I've had three or four different faculty advisors and a bunch of different cooperating teachers. I'm starting to itch to just get into my own space now and develop my own teacher identity and then try something. And if it fails, then I need to figure out how to fix it. And it's still good to have those other relationships or people to collaborate with, but then also just to become increasingly independent. Right. Yeah, I totally hear you. I, I felt like that when I was a teacher candidate as well. And another great thing about mentorship, uh, before I sort of answer this question, just as a side note, is I think it also exposes you in teaching to philosophies or practices that you don't jive with and that you also kind of see and you think, okay, that's not the way I would do things. Um, and that's not to, you know, ding anyone else's practice, but you, you are figuring out your own identity as a teacher, which I think is important. For me, the most challenging aspect of being a mentee was, I think, feeling a bit of pressure that, okay, now I'm part of this group and now I want to implement all these new things. Am I doing it right? Mm -hmm. Or am I following the philosophy the way I should? Or am I, and I felt like I was just, I mean, it was such a, a good but steep learning curve as well, trying to figure out things with the writers and reading workshop and inquiry. Definitely had to put a lot of work into it and a lot of, uh, consistent communication back and forth to clarify and to scaffold my own understanding so that I could implement it in the classroom. So I think just uh, for next year, I would definitely spend a little bit more time over the summer making sure that I feel more comfortable in understanding the practice. But this year I was sort of doing it on the fly. And, uh, and it was great and I was so glad that I could uh, bounce ideas off of Sid along the way. But sometimes I felt guilty. Like, I don't know if I actually did that lesson the way it should have been. Or I don't, maybe I'm reverting back to this old way of doing things and giving a mark here or there. And I feel like I shouldn't be doing that now. And so I just sort of melding those, what I've learned with what I had been used to doing. And then I think um, as a mentor, it was really interesting for me 
trying to, uh, not taking a step back, that was easy for me, but making sure, because English was your minor and you were still kind of figuring out how to do things in the classroom with English language arts, trying not to overstep any boundaries and trying not to force any, again, practices or philosophies on you and just trying to suggest things that you could do, but not wanting you to feel like I was forcing <laughs> anything no, on you. And so that I think that's important for a mentor as well to, to know when to take a step back and not to be too overbearing. Um, on the flip side though, what do you think is the most rewarding aspect of being a mentor or a mentee? Well, on a practical level, at my age, it fills in my day rather nicely, keeps me very, very active mentally and physically as I run from school to school every day, probably five schools a day or four schools a day anyway. Um, but seriously, the most rewarding aspect is, is seeing um, how exciting it is to be with teachers, to see students' excitement uh, and realize that the career I devoted so long to is in such great hands in Seven Oaks. Um, and, and I stress Seven Oaks. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jessica? Uh, the most rewarding aspect of being a mentee is really it just helps so much um, just in your own development, your thought about how you relate to students and how you can just enhance their understanding. It just makes you a better teacher, really. And at this stage of the game, I'm kind of grasping at anything I can to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. That's what I was going to say. I think the biggest reward has been seeing the success in the classroom and the achievement of the students and just knowing that all of this, uh, you know, going through this process and trying to better myself as, a, as an educator and trying different things has actually paid off in the classroom. And I've seen it with um, tangible results in the kids reading more, in them writing more, in them, them expressing themselves um, more effectively. And uh, that has been really rewarding. Um, so I'm wondering if there are any questions here that sort of stand out to either of you that maybe you would like to speak to rather than going through sure. um, each one. Well, I would like to speak to the, the growth in practice. I can say without any hesitation that especially the last two or three years, my personal learning curve is been accelerated like I've never imagined. Um, being around teachers who question so deeply and ask such great questions, um, <clears throat> working with such a range of students, not only ages, but abilities, backgrounds. Um, I'm in this very unique situation in a day of, um, you know, maybe interacting with 130, 140 different kids, um, five amazing teachers every day uh, who have questions. Um, and so uh, I spent a lot of time this summer writing a lot, planning a lot, sharing a lot, and I can't wait to get back to it because I have to start almost all over. Mm -hmm. So many new ideas have evolved. My, I have a, um, a file on my phone called to do for next year, and it's like, it's getting so big, um, but it's so exciting because we're constantly evaluating uh, what's going on, and it's something that no teacher has the opportunity, the unique opportunity I do, 
um, to do that. So I'm hoping that my experiences are going to be a benefit to the people I'm working with. And it certainly seems that way. The projects we're undertaking, the ideas we're looking at, uh, our learning curve has accelerated beyond what I could have hoped for. What do you think, Jessica? Uh, most significant area of growth. Um, a very specific thing that I know you had guided me towards quite a bit was how to structure questions to elicit more specific responses. And while that sounds like a very finite, specific thing, um, it's actually been a bit of a revelation in my practice, not just in ELA, but also in choir. So then when we're having group discussions and I actually want to get to a certain point, but I want kids to get there on their own, just in changing how I word things a little, they're the ones still coming up with the response, but it's just getting there quicker. Because my instinct is to ask big, broad questions, because I want to deal with big, broad ideas, but mm -hmm. then you just get the glazed over look of, what do you want? <laughs> um, so learning that from you is really big in my practice this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've found, just to speak to that question as well, that my most significant growth has been uh, the modeling and doing what I'm asking my students to do right alongside with them. So that's a really big, that's part of the reading and writers workshop philosophy is if the kids are reading and you expect them to read, then you should be reading too. And if they're writing, then you should also be writing and keeping your own notebook and notes and, and so on and so forth. And I found that that's just revolutionized my practice as an English teacher. Not that I never did that before, but I certainly wasn't doing it to the extent that I am now. And uh, I've just been thinking about it so much, this idea of you know, assigning novels to students or assigning uh, projects that we would never want to do ourselves or would never take the effort or time and effort to do, and then expecting the kids to do it with a smile on their face. So it, that part really just doesn't make any sense to me anymore. So um, having that as sort of a guiding principle for me has really helped me grow in my practice this year. What do you two think about classroom observations? Mm. I was just looking at that question. Um, I think they're hugely important because there's often a lot of things that you are doing as a teacher that you might not know. And whether that's like a turn of phrase or a tone of voice or volume or any of those really specific details that might just fly under your radar but make a huge difference to the people sitting in your classroom. Uh, so for example, when Karen, my faculty advisor, was here, she noticed that with the lights on at a certain way or not having them on or the blinds and there's glare on the board that kids actually can't read it that I would have been totally oblivious to had she not said anything because the people in the back didn't mention it. So otherwise, without that, I would have carried on in the same way, meanwhile, depriving kids of that access, or even in specific things that you've brought up in how do you approach a certain topic or what kind of activators are you using to really access prior knowledge. I might think I'm doing fine, but to have you in the room to say, well, actually, and just that challenge is mm -hmm. really beneficial for growth. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Sid? Because you advocate for having us pair up with the host teacher and do the classroom observations. Yeah, it, it was interesting because <clears throat> when I first started to expand this role and I would talk to teachers, I said I offered them like, what, how can I help you? And I said, you know, I can do the sort of um, faculty advisor kind of thing of, of sitting, observing you, giving you feedback, uh, or we can reverse it. I can do some of the lessons that maybe you're wanting to get, 
um, doing them with your students, and, um, and then you can observe that and then question me, and then we give that sort of gradual release. And it was unanimous. Every teacher I worked with said no. And, and they didn't say it because they wanted to get out of work or they were afraid of being um, criticized or evaluated. They said, no, we want to see you do it, and then we want to collaborate with you. And it's interesting because that model has now, I've been asked to expand that quite dramatically throughout the province in a lot of classrooms elsewhere that I'm working with. And that model seems to be the one that is much more effective. I think teachers feel more relaxed. They're not being evaluated. So it's really authentic learning. I think um, in Jessica's case, it's slightly different mm -hmm. because you're just getting your feet wet and just that, that experience of being in the classroom yeah. is so important. Um, so I think the, the purpose of why we're doing it really determines what it should look like. Mm -hmm. And the purpose here is to really accelerate the learning of the teachers and to sort of how can they move towards becoming more independent and it's the same thing we do with our students. We believe a lot in modeling, um, you know, that, that there's a lot of modeling going on um, in reading and writing. So the same idea, I'm fulfilling a lifelong dream of being a model. Um, <laughs> bad joke, I know. Um, but um, I'm doing stuff with teachers where um, they're observing and then we deconstruct. And then because I'm in classrooms, you know, maybe a couple times a week, maybe three times a week with one teacher, that still means they're then picking up and taking what they've observed and they're doing most of the work. And then of course I'm getting the emails about this work, this didn't, um, you know, what suggestions and then we pick up on the next time. So I think this model, which is not the traditional mentorship model, but is more like the model I saw in New York that I modeled this after, um, I think that is the most effective way um, for um, teacher learning. I think so too, I agree. I also think, like Jessica said, it's so important to be able to be in someone else's classroom and to pick up on the nuances of their teaching as well that you can't just articulate over an email or a suggestion. When I was in Jessica Robinson's class at Ovi Jewett, mm -hmm. and I did three observations at, in her class, um, there were things that I saw in the like philosophy document outlining these are some of the practices that we do in sort of daily routines that when I saw her do it in the person like conferencing with students using status of the class or using her document camera or moving around the room and um, encouraging different students to try different writing prompts that was something that just to see it and to be in the classroom and to shadow her was much more meaningful to me than just reading it on right. the document because right. mm -hmm. I could see it in practice I could see how she didn't let these different routines sort of overwhelm her or take over the class and she had it all sort of working like a fine-tuned oiled machine and then I tried to emulate that in my classroom and then trying to get better at that as well. Yeah. And I think that's um, in working with with Lydia and now with Matt and continuing that model I think we stumbled into something well didn't stumble and we thought about it but I think that's <clears throat> like, like that's the introduction and then from there we continue on and I think that's that's been such a powerful component and also the idea that for the teachers that do those observations that after they do them it's still their choice so like um, there have been some teachers who came observed um, looked at all that and then said I don't think I'm ready for that and I think that's terrific I think that's honest and I think that's 
I wouldn't want to be working with someone who didn't feel like they wanted to be doing it. So uh, it's been, I think that, that sort of that getting your feet wet orientation aspect that Kamal talks about, um, uh, you know, I think it's been essential. We've been lucky to have four or five amazing classroom teachers host that um, to, to uh, do that early in the fall and sort of launch the, the mentorship program, if you will. Um, I think that's a, a key ingredient. After that, we change it in their own classroom, but in an initial observation experience, just what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Um, mm -hmm. I think that was really crucial. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of division-wide with our group as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I wonder, and I, I wish that we had more release time just at our home schools to also do that with our colleagues here. You know, just to have a half an hour or one class to go and check out another English teacher's classroom and see, you know, maybe they teach poetry in a really unique way and I have no idea and we never get enough time in our curriculum meetings to sort of share right. our practices and things like that. But just to have some release time to do that sort of thing. But again, you have to buy into it. It, it shouldn't be again that mm -hmm. now we're putting a teacher in your right. class. It has mm -hmm. to be that you're and, buying into and it. And I think that speaks back to the idea when I originally proposed this model when I was teaching in, in Fort Gary before it amalgamated, and we were close to implementing it, um, that just because you're a good teacher doesn't mean you'd be a good mentor. Mm, that, right. um, that, you know, the coaching ability um, is, is a different kind of attribute uh, than uh, being a good teacher. You can be a great teacher in your classroom, but not necessarily be a, a great mentor. Um, just you, just because there's a whole different skill set involved uh, in that, um, and um, so I don't think you could just pick anyone to do that. And I know, in terms of the evolution of the teachers I'm working with, there's a number of teachers, you know, who have evolved to the point where I could say, yeah, they could do what I'm doing now. They're so good at it, and they're not necessarily two of them are the more experienced ones. But there's a number of others, um, Kamal included, who are racing ahead. And that's not surprising. That's the way classes work. I mean, um, teachers are no different students. Some of us, you know, get it faster than others. So um, I think that's a really important component that you can't just look at a model of mentorship. There's a certain, like, really important element of finding the right people to do what you're asking them to do. Right. And we read, um, we read an article just to mention it. It was just a very brief opinion piece by a teacher. Her name is Heather Walpert Garan, and it was published on Edutopia, and it was titled, Every Teacher Needs a Mentor. And she talks about her own personal experience of having a mentor in her school and how important that was for her. And she mentions a few criteria or qualities of what she thinks makes a good mentor, just to speak to Sid's point. And some of the things that she says is, a good mentor is someone who respects what you're trying to do, helps push you to solve the problem using a different perspective, someone who listens but knows when to hold up their hand to make you pause and listen, someone who collaborates, shares the air, lives for reciprocal learning, celebrates your successes, gives you a safe space to vent, air, complain, and feel shame, which I think is interesting, mm -hmm. and models best practices while still appreciating differences in teaching stuff. Would you agree with those qualities? Would, is there anything that you would add? I certainly agree with them, and I think in our relationship, I can definitely identify all of these as being present 
um, there was a few times where we would talk about different approaches to classroom management when things would not necessarily get out of hand, but just different ways that we would handle it and that you would notice, yeah, we do have different personalities, so this might work for me, but it might not work for you, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Just recognizing the differences, but still appreciating them for what they are. Um, in terms of anything to add here, I'm not sure. It seems like a good list, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that that one piece there where it says feel shame, mm. there is one... Um, email conversation we had had where you had said, you know, if you have any suggestions about doing this, uh, please let me know. Otherwise, I'm also okay with crashing and burning too, because yeah. that's also part of the learning experience. And I thought that's such a great thing for a new teacher to say, because it's such a scary prospect yeah. of crashing and burning in front of a class and feeling just like you kind of let yourself down or uh, let the kids down. Um, and I think that's really important too, to make sure that you're in a safe space with your mentor and that you can share that with them. Mm -hmm. I just comment, I said, I think that whereas there there's a role for um, procedural mentorship for young teachers, I think in terms of, um, you know, how things are done, because it can be so overwhelming, I you know, that's certainly an advantage. But if we're talking about pedagogy, I think it's very important that the mentee pool is a voluntary pool. Mm -hmm. It's... Um, I've worked with some teachers with whom I've had tremendous objection to philosophy and pedagogy, and yet I would have been very happy to have had my children in their class because of their passion. And I would never imagine those teachers being effective if they were forced to adopt a philosophy that maybe I espouse, but would be so difficult for them that I think they would become ineffective. And so I think the notion, any notion that mentorship should be a fix-up strategy, um, I just, I completely disagree with that. I think that um, if you're going to spread uh, an idea that you feel is worthwhile, it's gotta be organic. It comes from the grassroots. Uh, the group I work with has grown through word of mouth, through people wanting to do seeing things and saying, I want to do that, show me how to do it. Um, not someone from the outside saying, you need to do this. So I, I really think that's been the power and success of our group. Everybody who's in the group wants to be part of the group. Right. Okay, and I think that's bringing us close to the end of our episode. But I'm, I want to give my guests an opportunity just to end with maybe their final thoughts on this topic anything that they think our listeners might want to hear a parting thought. Um, I know for me, I can start us off. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about the mentorship process is that it really is a reciprocal process and that it's not just this idea that one person is leading and guiding the other and not getting anything in return. And I've seen that with both of my relationships with the two people here today. So I really feel that it's important that if someone is wanting to embark on the role of a mentor or to uh, take on a mentor that you know that you're you're both active participants in the relationship and it's not just one person leading and the other person following. I guess I'd leave with the idea that I've taught in numerous divisions only briefly in Seven Oaks for a couple of months but worked here the last 10 years pretty closely and I have to say that the support, the insight that Seven Oaks provides 
and the way they approach, uh, the way we've been able to plan and develop um, is so encouraging. And when I share these ideas with the many other colleagues throughout the province with whom I work in other capacity, they're very envious, envious of um, the way this has been set up. And I know <clears throat> in at least one or two cases, um, other groups are trying to model as best they can what we've been doing here. Uh, so I think that's a real credit to the, um, the farsightedness, um, especially with, uh, with, I would say, with Lydia, who I worked with for the last few years, and now um, working for with Matt, the same idea, the support, um, it's terrific. And uh, I think it's why it's been successful. Mm -hmm. And the idea that it's not a one-time thing. Right. It's right. an ongoing exactly. throughout the year and then continuous. Yes. All our planning has been long term. It's mm -hmm. been. It's never been like okay, we're going to do this and it's for done. a month and then yeah, you're on your own. Yeah, it's been we yeah. from the beginning. We were talking about years mm -hmm. of wh what direction, you know, because it's a, a journey. It is. It's yeah. not a yeah. Awesome. And Jessica, what do you think? Yeah. Um, just in closing thoughts, I think one thing that's going to stick with me now as a newer teacher starting out is just that mentorship is really crucial to growth and development and to help make sure that you don't become stagnant in your practice because it might be easy to just try out all the new things that you have gathered over the years and say okay I'm going to try it in my own space and then kind of get stuck in a rut and that it is important to have new perspectives to come in and challenge you and provide new ideas to make sure you keep growing as an educator too. Mm -hmm. Especially I agree with you especially because teaching can so often get bogged down with administrative work and people get tired and mm -hmm. it, it takes a lot out of you it takes a lot out of your heart it takes a lot out of your time uh, to, it's very appealing in some ways to do the same thing again and again and not to push yourself and try something new so I'd like to thank my guests for being here with me today and we are just going to wrap up our conversation on mentorship with those thoughts so thank you, Sid. Thank you, thank you, Jessica. And we might pick this up again someday, but thanks for being here. Thank you.